Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fuchs. Right up front. Younger fit inside of the net. now in in a good friday afternoon to wherever you may be and if you're here in las vegas glad to have you with us here at the cosmopolitan of las vegas no better place to be on the las vegas strip for your sports betting needs powered by william hill in the fantastic luxurious sports book here and of course the cosmopolitan las vegas entertainment dining gaming you name it it is all here uh, for you, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. T.C. Martin with you on another fabulous Friday, getting ready to kick off a weekend here. We've got a full slate of Major League Baseball games. we got action tonight. We will diagnose that with my tag team partner today, the one and only Marco D'Angelo, handicapper extraordinaire, wagertalk.com. Marco in Vegas, what's happening? Ah, glad to be here. Beautiful Friday in Vegas and looking forward to a big weekend of action. We got uh, hockey action tonight, baseball, and for me, even some horses over the weekend. <laughs> even some horses. All right. Good deal. Marco, uh, fresh uh, from his uh, trip uh, back to Pittsburgh. We talked a little bit about that uh, last week. So, uh, very nicely done. And uh, uh, you got one more East Coast trip uh, in you uh, before football season, or is that it for you? West Coast. We haven't visited West Coast yet. Oh, you haven't been to o- Del Mar yet. Opening week at Del Mar. There you it can is. count on it. I'll be going. Uh, Middle of July, going to go to the beach. Say, I always got to do a compromise. We go to the beach for four or five days, yeah. then we go to Del Mar for the horses for opening weekend. Do you keep a shirt on or off when you're on the beach? Oh, I don't care. It's off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to see me. <laughs> I like that. That's strong. There you go. All right, we'll uh, talk about some baseball today. Like we said, full, full boat of action, uh, great series. Over the course of this weekend, it started last night in the Bronx between the Astros and the Yankees. We'll dive into that. Uh, Marco and I will cry a little bit as well, too, because we both <laughs> had the Houston Astros last night. So we will definitely uh, talk about that. But that is really the preview, uh, as I like to say, of the American League Championship Series, which, you know, a lot of things can happen between now and October. But that's it looks like that's what it's going to be between the Astros and the Yankees with these two teams playing extremely good baseball. And, of course, the Yankees just phenomenal, and they can win any way possible. High-scoring games, low-scoring games, come from behind, and they continue to do it. They came from behind the last two nights. Uh, two nights ago they were in Tampa Bay, and I was actually on the Yankees that night. And I thought, okay, this is great. And went against them last night uh, with the Astros. Thought it was a good spot for Framber Valdez and – Made me look pretty smart there. They jumped out 3 nothing lead. Then Valdez gave up a three-run homer himself. And the game just featured, uh, you know, a trifecta of runs. 3-3 three, three there. Then the Astros get another three ball a couple innings later. So 6-3. Yankees go scoreless for seven consecutive innings. The Yankees had two hits going to the bottom of the ninth inning. The Astros out hit them 11-2. And the Astros have a three-run lead. Bottom of the ninth, you bring in your closer, Ryan Presley. You figure, okay, he's good. Couldn't find the zone, Marco. 
The Yankees get four runs off of Presley. They end up getting uh, four hits, three walks in the inning. Houston thoroughly outplayed the Yankees, outhit them, like I said, but they are the Yankees. And you and I tore up a ticket last night, a 7 6 loser. And if it sounds like we're complaining, but we handicapped that game right. Yeah, and I'll throw something else into you. Uh, this is something that your listeners can uh, jot down and use in future. The reason, one of the reasons I was on uh, Houston last night, obviously Valdez has pitched very well on the road, but I went back and I dug into a stat with the Yankees. They were just coming back from a road trip. Big road trip. They played Toronto and Tampa Bay, which for all intents and purposes are two of the main uh, teams they have to beat in the uh, AL East along with, you know, their hated rival Boston. But I went back and looked. The first game after they play a division rival, the Yankees over the last couple of years were just 33-39. and 39. Now you say, okay, it's only six games under 500. But, TC, you know that the Yankees are constantly 170 and higher favorites. So if you've got a situation that's at anywhere close to 50% and you're playing a dog in all of those games, you're making a ton of money because you're getting plus money back on all those wagers. And when it's under 500, that's a great angle. And it showed its head yesterday. They came out slow in that game. If you want to use the term they were flat, whatever, um, you know, filling fat and sassy from the, you know, the two series against Toronto and Tampa where they took two out of three from both teams. This is a spot where I we were golden. I was counting my money going to the to the ninth inning. You and I both. But, you know, this is what I what frustrates me about baseball where so many managers, it's just it's an assembly line. It's not managing. The starter goes, he gives you five or six innings, you rip him out of the game, you bring in the Yankees scored nothing after the first inning until the bottom of the ninth, and you're now asking three other people to do their job correctly to get that winning bet home for you. That's why I do make a lot of first five inning wagers because it's starting pitcher against starting pitcher. If I feel I got a decided edge there, I'm going with that and I'm shutting it down. But I thought that the Yankees, because of the games that they just came off of, and they had to use the bullpens, I'm, I thought as the game extended that if we did get to the bullpens, I thought Houston was in a better spot last night, so I went full game rather than first five. Wow. Shame on me. And, and if we uh, both of us would have went with the first five, we, we're cashing a ticket. We yeah. got a winner because it was 6-3 after five. Yeah. So, yeah, very rough. So tonight, Justin Verlander back to the mound tonight for the Houston Astros and Luis Severino going for the Yankees. Another great pitching matchup here. Hence the total only 7.5 in this game. Verlander did not have a good outing last time against the Chicago White Sox. He's only had one other bad outing prior to this, uh, earlier this year uh, up in Seattle where he gave up six runs, but he came back very nicely the next game out and threw six shutout innings against the A's. Uh, Granted, uh, the he's not, he, exactly. <laughs> he's not facing uh, the A's this time. It's the Yankees. However, my point of the matter is, if you can get Justin Verlander at plus money, I would. I I, I couldn't live with myself uh, and look at myself in the mirror the next morning if I don't play it. <laughs> I know it's the Yankees. I know it's the Red Hot Yankees. They're the best team in baseball. I get that. And Severino, I like. I don't love Severino. Okay, this guy was out of baseball for more than a year, almost two years, but he has played well, or has pitched well for this team. I went against Jamison Tyon last night, 
And people are going, why are you going against Tyon? Because look at his numbers. And I go, he is the benefactor of a great offense, a great defense, a great bullpen. But we go back when he was in Pittsburgh. As you know, Marco, nobody wanted this guy. This guy had a career ERA of near five, right? Now he's with the Yankees, and people think it's this is, he's a great pitcher. I kind of equate that to Severino to a certain degree as well. You can get away with mediocre pitching to a certain degree when you have that lineup that the Yankees have, the bullpen that the Yankees have you know, behind them. Even the middle relief is good with the Yankees. So in this situation tonight, I'm going to do the exact same thing that I did last night. Uh, you know, of course, I'll, I'm going to tiptoe because, again, it's the Yankees. But for Justin Verlander tonight, coming off the, that performance last night, and it's not like the Houston Bats have been cold. They've been on fire. They've been averaging over six runs a game right, in, in, uh, in their last six wins. And even the loss last night, they got six. You would think that would be good enough. So I'm ready to take a, another shot with the Astros tonight with Verlander at plus money. And I do want to say this as well, too. A lot of people will say, when do you ever get the Yankees at, like, minus 120, minus 125? That was a scenario last night. That's a scenario again tonight. And I say the reason, because the Astros, I would say, are not just as good, but they are right there with the Yankees, maybe just below. And we saw it last night. The Astros played better last night. They were the better team except for the bottom of the ninth inning. Yeah, my only problem, and I can't disagree with anything you said, and you know, Verlander was strong in that outing uh, after he got blasted in Seattle. But, again, it was the Oakland mm-hmm. A's. The Oakland A's cannot score runs at all right now. Uh, but veteran pitchers usually do bounce back off of a bad outing. My only concern is, are the Yankees inside Houston's head now? I mean, that was a brutal way to lose a game last night. Uh, now you got to bounce back game two, you know, in New York. It's a big weekend series. This is, this is almost the statement series for Houston because the way the Yankees are playing right now, if they go in and get swept this weekend in New York, you know, that's not going to bode well for your confidence coming into the playoffs. So this is a, a statement game tonight, and there's nobody better than you would want on the mound after a gut-wrenching loss like they suffered last night because Verlander's a bulldog. You know, he's going to come at the Yankees. He's going to attack them. And if he is on, you're going to see Verlander for seven innings. They, he's not a pitcher that they go out and run out and, you know, yank out after five innings. You'll get seven innings from him. Even that outing that he gave up the six runs in Seattle, I think he pitched uh, six or seven well, innings. Well, he went to the seventh, one. and the A's yeah. got three runs in the yeah. seventh, and then he came out after that. It, yeah. Even the game before that, I'm talking against oh, uh, Seattle. Right. He, he, went, uh, he went six innings and gave up the six runs. So they, don't, they didn't yank him even in an, an outing that – he wasn't pitching his best. So that's a calming effect. So, you know, that leader on the mound for the team. So we'll see what happens tonight. I'll root for you, but I'm on the bench on that one tonight. Yeah, and I understand why. <laughs> I understand why. Um, Major League Baseball news regarding the Yankees and Aaron Judge, who ended up getting the game-winning RBI in that game, uh, signed a new um, contract extension today, one year, $19 million to avoid arbitration. So Aaron Judge uh, gets one more year with the Yankees. He can also make an additional $250,000 by winning an MVP award and another $250,000 for a World Series MVP. Wouldn't put it past him. Aaron Judge is having 
himself a fantastic year. He's still only 30 years old, Marco. He's, middle uh, again, perhaps best season. He's batting 304, 27 homers, 53 RBIs. Um, again, game winner last night. What can you say about Aaron Judge? Uh, he does everything. I mean, the guy, you, you can't get him out. Uh, but to, I, when you're rattling all that off, I'm like actually laughing when you're saying the 250,000. <laughs> you could come to Vegas and blow that in a nightclub. Uh, you know, it, uh, where the table was. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, that's chump change on that contract of a 19 million dollar extension. Oh, by the way, if you win two of the most <laughs> prestigious awards, we're going to throw an extra 250,000. Yeah. Trust me, he will spend that money on the party with the team. <laughs> You know, I could probably, uh, you know, give it a shot with some food there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. How, hey, how, how far I, that I saw food? There's, there's a lot of Las Vegas uh, guys that tweet, and we had EDC here just not too long ago, and they were tweeting actual bills from people, you know, at, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, 250000 won't go as far as you think. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're speaking from experience, Marco. What kind of club have you been hanging out in? Yeah, no, you definitely will not see me there. <laughs> I'm too cheap for that. <laughs> oh, too funny. All right. Um, we will uh, get back to uh, some more baseball here uh, in a little bit. But uh, NBA draft uh, last night, the Orlando Magic were on the clock, and uh, they played a pretty good poker face because they did not say what they were going to do. They tried to play the case. Well, you know, we're not sure what we're going to do. Yesterday morning before the draft, they still said, well, we're still not sure. And, Marco, you can bet, as you know, on the NBA draft. A lot of people may not be familiar with that, but, yeah, you can wager on this. Now, overseas, you can bet all the way to the first pick. But here in Nevada, they take that off the board 24 hours prior to the draft. And at that point in time, Jabari Smith, the 6'10 forward from Auburn, was – the overwhelming favorite. And I think a lot of people thought the Orlando Magic were going to uh, select him. And the Magic played kind of coy. And every draft, I guess, mock draft that you looked at, it had Jabari Smith, number one, uh, Chet Holmgren, number two, from uh, the center from Gonzaga, and then Paulo Banchero, uh, the forward from Duke, going number three. Well, here come the Orlando Magic with the pick, and they select Paulo Banchero. Now, Apparently, there was a lot of money that came down uh, in the hours leading up to the draft uh, last night. And Banchero, at one point in time, I guess you could have got him at like plus 1,200. He went off as the minus $2 favorite. You best know. kept secret. Best kept, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So some people knew something that, that went on with that. But, I mean, this is one of those things where, I don't know about you, I don't, even look at betting those I guess because I'm old school because we were never allowed to bet that now you have you know Academy Awards and all these other things that, that you can do overseas places have put that up for for many many years but now in Nevada they're becoming you know uh, more open to that and we're seeing that of taking uh, bets on drafts we saw the NFL draft got bet very very heavily NBA draft got bet fairly heavily last night too but yeah pretty interesting how uh, the Orlando Magic just kind of kept this quiet and for the first time in in a long time whether it's NBA whether it's NFL that we got a little bit of a shocker when they announced the number one overall pick the only thing yeah I'm like you I 
I don't bet the draft. There are guys that specialize in that, and, you know, they follow the, the draft. And if, if you can get that first pick right, and it's not what everybody expected heading in, then it changes all the other picks. And you, if you know that information, uh, and that's why Vegas protects themselves with the 24-hour uh, cutoff, because somebody catches wind of something. There's beat writers that know somebody on the staff, get something off the record, and, you know, everybody has a friend. Somebody tells somebody who tells somebody, and as you saw, the money was coming in late on that. My biggest surprise, not surprise, but I'm going to say, how did Duke not win a national championship? Mm. They had five people drafted in the first 42 picks, yeah. okay? How did they not win the national championship? Yeah, I, I'm telling you, that, 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 that's, that's basketball for us. That's college basketball. You, you know, four Duke players went in the top in the, 30. Yeah, yeah, in the first in, round. Four Duke players in the first round. Just uh, uh, amazing. But, yeah, um, and I'm not sure that all four of these guys or any of these four guys are going to do well in the NBA as well, too. I mean, Banchero is a nice player. But how many times have we said this, that Duke players, for the most part, don't do well in the NBA? I mean, Coach K has the McDonald's All-Americans each and every year. Now, Coach K is retired. Maybe this will change with Duke. But as we know, I mean, you could probably count on one hand, uh, you know, the, the Duke players that have gone on to, the, to tremendous NBA careers. It's not a long laundry list at all. And, you know, maybe it's, you know, just the style, you know, the team, you know, the Duke teams the last few years, you know, they love to shoot the three-pointers. And, you know, if they get into a matchup that's physical, uh, they play a physical team that's going to make you play, you know, get down and dirty with them, uh, that's when you can beat them. I don't know. NBA is a tougher sport, and you're not uh, – Everybody's five-star recruits once you get to the NBA level, so you don't have that dominance, and we'll see what uh, see what happens with them. But it's impressive. Four, like you said, in the first round, and then the, the fifth guy got taken, I think, 42nd. So uh, impressive to Duke, and uh, that's what college basketball is when you're a blue blood. You right. just keep <laughs> – it's a revolving door. They never, re, they never rebuild. They just reload. Paulo Banchero goes number one to the Orlando Magic. Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga goes to Oklahoma City. I don't know how you feel about Holmgren, Marco. I mean, this guy got a chance to watch a lot of him. He is still razor thin. He's 190 pounds. I thought Holmgren had some interesting thoughts because obviously, you know, people are taking shots at him. And he's already firing back a little bit saying, hey, I've heard this before. I've heard it my whole life. I understand that. He goes, there's nothing I can control with that. He goes, all I can do is continue to improve my game, continue to, to work on my game. And as far as, as the weight goes, he's basically saying, I can't control that. Well, I think he can control that to a certain degree because we've seen other guys come out of college, you know, stick thin like this. And the first thing that the NBA coaches and training staff say is you got to get in the weight room. We got to get you on a diet, and you need, you need to put on some pounds. Plain and simple. And I'm just not seeing it right now. I, we remember frail Steph Curry back when he was at Davidson. You know, going back, you know, 2007, 8, 9, and he was skinny, frail, but he was still scoring with the Warriors. But then he built up his body slowly but surely. Chet Holmgren is is a seven footer. 
uh, above seven foot. And again, 190 pounds. I, I don't know. Did we ever see Manute Bowl ever put on any weight? You know. Now, great t- times are different. You know, the weight training methods are. You know, they were archaic back in those times. But this is who this guy reminds me of. And you know, is he going to be one of these guys that you're going to say, okay, he's going to be the modern day seven footer? We're going to put him on the perimeter and let him fire away. But banging inside, he's going to get eaten alive. Uh, there's no question that he'll get pushed around in the paint and he's going to have to change change his game to compete. We've, as you said, you've seen a lot of other guys that dominated at the college level. Uh, be, you know, Then they get into the NBA and it's, it's a physical game. Uh, we'll see what happens with him. But when you say you talk about players and advancing, different sport. But I, you want to look at from beginning to end. Go back and Google Barry Bonds. Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, yes. No <laughs> doubt. I remember. In the lean, mean, fight machine, stealing bases, the thin, all that stuff. I, I mean, how does yeah. your head grow? <laughs> well, like I said, Marco, you know, they, you know there was a, that was the era where they had, like, a very unique, um, you know, weight training, uh, you know, exercises going on back in those days. What's that? Things happen in the weight room. Yeah. I'm not sure Barry was pumping iron with his arms or his head, for that matter. That is, the, you know, in being a you know, Pittsburgh guy, I got to see those yeah. early days. And, and those were good teams. That was the last time the Pirates were, you know, relevant uh, were those teams. But I can't believe when I, I, I see the beginning of the career and the end of the career that that's the same person. There's no – there's just no way. But – I mean, don't you see that, though, with – I mean, Michael Jordan looked totally different. You know, he took some time off. But remember his last year with the Wizards? Yeah. I mean, he did not look like the thin Michael Jordan, you know. Kevin Durant is probably a great example uh, as well, too, as Kevin Durant was really thin, you know, coming out of Texas. And, you know, he was there for one year, I believe. Uh, but, you know, it he doesn't look like the same guy. I mean, he yeah. put weight on over time. But I don't ever recall Kevin Durant saying, well, you know, I, I'm fine the way I am. And, and you know, Holmgren didn't say that, but he's not saying, like, hey, I know I've got to get in the weight room. I know i got to put on weight. I know I'm going to, you know, uh, have these battles down in the paint. He's just saying, hey, I can't, you know, I can only control what I control. So he really dismissed it. I, I, tell you, I would not take him at number two. You're Oklahoma City. You take him at number two. I'm not doing it. And especially the way things are. With the big man today. Yeah. It's I not, mean, get yourself some guards. Right now, <laughs> the, the big man in the NBA is almost like the running back in football. The, the position has changed. It's not as important. It is important, but you don't you don't go that high there. And we'll see what he does. Uh, I think that the, the fact that they changed who number one was going to be kind of shifted the rest of the, you know, the draft at the top there. So... We'll see. I'm from the old school, like you said. You don't handicap the play the players to make the bets. There's money to be made there if you do have it mapped out. A lot of people have made. Hey, Mel Kuyper's made a career of analyzing the draft. Um, for me, my I don't know I, if he's going to the window though. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it's once these guys start playing and what yeah. they do for the team. That's when yeah. I start. How's this going to reconstruct this team? Is the team going to be better? or worse with these additions in the off season, And then you start looking if you want to play any season win totals. Mm-hmm. When those come out, futures for the NBA championship. But 
for me to worry about the draft, let the people that know it do it, and then once the players are there, I'll figure the teams out yeah. who I'm betting down the road. From a betting perspective, I'd much rather bet on teams and games and players instead of trying to sync up with a general manager's mind because that's that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, getting into this guy's head on, on, on who he likes or who he's gonna, going to pick. And again, Grant, uh, fine for those people that have success and, you know, betting who's going to select two in the draft, okay. Jabari Smith goes number three, goes to the Houston Rockets. I think the Rockets are thinking, hey, this is – this, this will work out well. He's a Southern kid. Jabari Smith uh, had a very good career at, at Auburn. I was really shocked, but I shouldn't be shocked with the Sacramento Kings draft. Uh, they went with Keegan Murray out of Iowa. I don't know about you, Mark. At any point in time, did you think that Keegan Murray would be a top four product going the NBA draft? He goes to the Sacramento Kings, or who are famous for misdrafting. But, you know, Keegan Murray, he was fine at Iowa, and I know that he – pretty much led the nation in scoring but his body size his complete game i'm not sure how that's going to translate you know into the nba what are your thoughts about murray i mean we both wager on iowa quite a bit we did and you know he he fit that program fit that conference uh, we saw you know as we do every year when we get into the tournaments and then we look at the conferences and we you know we do the scoreboard of how many wins the con each conference gets it seems like every year we're ending up bashing the big 10 they always get you know five six sometimes seven teams in the big dance and then uh, all of a sudden <laughs> a lot of them are gone and then we're going oh the big 10 again so uh, ironically, you had a Big Ten guy go right after him as well. So, you know, yeah, there's stars in that conference, but uh, when they got out and played other teams from other conferences, a lot of times they didn't do well. Yeah. Jaden Ivey went fifth. Uh, Jaden Ivey from Purdue, uh, fantastic guard. How will his game translate to the NBA? We'll see. Detroit Pistons take him. Uh, Seems kind of strange hearing the Pistons drafting that high at number five, but we know they had a they had a horrendous uh, season. Yeah, I mean it's it's Detroit. I mean, whether you're the Lions or you're the Pistons, you're you're or the Tigers. Yeah, or you're you're not you haven't been relevant for a long time. Well, football, I don't think. How about, you've ever the, been. How about the Michigan Panthers? Can we throw them in as well too. Yeah, might as well. Have you have you, have you been playing the USFL? No. Yeah, you, you asked me this two weeks ago, and you can ask me in another two weeks, and the answer is going to be the same. <laughs> you and me both, my friend. Yeah. So Jay Nivey, uh, the fine guard out of Purdue, goes to Detroit. Ben Matherin, uh, guard from uh, University of Arizona, goes to the Indiana Pacers. So those were um, your your top six picks, you know, right there. But the story of the night obviously is Paulo Banchero going number one overall to Duke. Uh, Las Vegas fans got a chance to see Banchero on a couple different occasions you know, here in Las Vegas. Four Duke players going uh, in the first round. So, all right. All right, Marco, game number five tonight, the Stanley Cup Finals. Game three was wild. It was crazy. We had controversy. We had an overtime goal by Nassim uh, Kadri, who uh, found the net. But uh, the big question was not whether he found the net. It was, as we found out later, did Colorado have six men on the ice? It was never reviewed. Post-game press conference, John Cooper questioned the legality of the Colorado Avalanche and whether Kadri's goals should have counted or not. Uh, And here's my thing. We really 
this wasn't addressed during the course of the ABC broadcast, mm -hmm. talking about too many men in the ice. It was weird, and I was glued to my television set. Stanley Cup Finals, I enjoy it. I love it. The intensity was great, and you just kind of had a feeling this was going to be one of these games that would go down to the end. I don't know about you, but, again, I, I said yesterday I was having kind of flashbacks. Hey, for old school guys like us, is this the San Diego Chargers, Miami Dolphins? <laughs> Could this be one of these games that goes on and on and on? And I said to myself after about, you know, if there's not a quick goal in the overtime, like we had in game one, a minute 30 into it, you're thinking, okay, when you're about six or eight minutes into it and no one's scoring, hmm, this could go for a while. And that was going through my mind. We could have maybe two or three extra overtime sessions here. And lo and behold, the Avalanche get the game-winning goal, which was huge, because now this series is three games to one, and Colorado has a chance to close it out here tonight. But uh, interesting thoughts about what John Cooper had to say, where he was breaking down. It was quiet as can be in that press conference, um, you know, two nights ago. And he said, you'll, you'll, you'll see later what we're talking about, and I, I can't talk to you today. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And then we find out that, okay, what he's probably talking about here was too many men in the ice. So I don't know. It, it, it's too bad that... You have the technology to review this, and you don't even look at it. We can look at, you know, is is the puck, you know, in the net, uh, you know, offsides. We can look at that. We can look at all these other things, but we can't look at six men on the ice, especially with a crazy rule that, you know, you got five feet basically to play with here, mm -hmm. whether a guy's on or not. It's very, very subjective. Yeah, it should have been addressed. I'm surprised that it wasn't. I wasn't watching the broadcast uh, live at the moment, so I, I missed it as it happened, so I didn't see what they were saying on the air. But, you know, now you look at it, and for all intents and purposes, that was the season for Tampa Bay. They needed to tie that series up. They go back to Colorado down 3-1. It's wh whether it happens tonight or happens in game six or seven, you're not coming back from 3-1, especially since the fact that except for game three, Colorado has dictated the games, okay? I was on Tampa big game three. Uh, coming back home, I thought, you know, especially after the way Colorado won game two. Mm -hmm. And yeah, shocker, I was playing poker, uh, watching that game Saturday night whenever – they smashed him 7 nothing, And I made the comment it, when it was 6 nothing, and Vasilecki was still in the game in the third period. Mm -hmm. I'm like, they're down six goals. Why is he in there? And then the more I started to think about it, I'm saying either the coach is making a statement that no matter what the score is, we're not giving up, or Vasilecki said, you're not pulling me. Mm -hmm. I'm not coming out. I'm, I'm not quitting on this team. And I thought that message, whichever way it was, was what was going to carry over for Game 3. And it was a total domination by Tampa in Game 3. And I thought, with that momentum, that if they go back and win that game, uh, Game 4, and go back to Colorado, all of the pressure then is put on Colorado. Tampa Bay's been here and done that. They're two-time defending you know, champs. Uh, coming in, when the playoffs start, started, I thought Colorado was the best team. The only 
question mark was would they get the goaltending out of Kemper that they needed. This is a team that can score on anybody, but at times their goaltending was spotty. And if you remember, when we were heading to the trade deadline, their name came up in every goalie trade that they were going to add somebody to that, you know, that roster. And there was even speculation for a period there that it might even, you know, be Flurry, be the guy, the name that was floated around. But he's played well. Um, he, you know, outside of that game too, uh, he's come back. We'll see what happens tonight. But he has not played well in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, you just look at that Avalanche team, uh, the offense uh, that they have, and – you know, kind of like the way we heard with the Boston Celtics. I was sick and tired of hearing about the Boston Celtics defense. You know, they were going to be the difference makers, and it was all about the Warriors. I'm getting tired of hearing about Vasilevsky, too, as, as, especially, you know, of, of that earlier game you said. Yeah. And we are joined by our good friend, Double B, who has made his way here, Brian Benowitz, our fearless leader here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, who is off the IL officially with the lower body injury. What's going on, man? Off the, I heard you were talking hockey. Yes, we were. And I heard you were talking hockey, and, and so I wanted mic, to come the, participate. The microphone is yours. Yes. Uh, it's, been a th it's been a thrill th to watch this series. Um, uh, I, I am sick to death of Tampa Bay. Uh, they're whining about the six men on the ice. It's got to be the most appalling thing I've ever seen as a guy that's watched hockey. you got to basically murder a guy in the playoffs <laughs> in overtime to get some <laughs> sort of penalty. What were they going to do, take the thing off the board and put them on the power play? Uh, half the time, you they got six or seven guys on before they jump on there. So uh, that was a lot of whining and really showed some lack of class by Cooper, I thought. And, you know, Tampa has had a good run. Uh, you know, they called themselves Champa Bay, and that annoyed me to beyond belief. And so I've been just rooting against Tampa. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think that and Vasilevsky was unreal the other night. It took some weird bounces to beat him. Uh, it was nice to see Kadri back in there, who uh, produced despite the fact that he's got a broken thumb, thanks to Evander Kane. Um, this team is hungrier, the Avalanche. They're better. Even the game they lost 6-2. to two, uh, was really Kemper playing horrifically in that game. Uh, it was relatively even. Uh, they battled back from a 17-4, to 4, I think the shot deficit was the other night in the first period, and were the better team in the end, and then in overtime were completely dominant. Uh, I think By Byron hit the post or the, the crossbar at one point. Right. Uh, but they, they, it was only a matter of time to get that done, and uh, uh, very impressive. From the two teams as a standpoint, as a fan, uh, this is the best team that I've watched in a long time as far as just fun when you have no obligation to either team. Uh, they got a great offense. It puts tremendous pressure on you. And then those back-end guys are incredible. Um, I was a little young when uh, Bobby Orr was around, so I didn't really get to understand his brilliance. Uh, Kale McCarr is incredible. He's the best defensive player I've ever seen play. Mm -hmm. uh, offense and defense and the things that his skating ability and, and the rest of them. I mean, Taze is good and Byram's good and the Johnsons are good. So... Uh, uh, I think this team is going to massacre uh, the Avalanche or the uh, Tampa Bay tonight. So the cup is in the building. The yes. white gloves are out. Yeah. We're there. Double B is saying no contest. We're we're celebrating tonight in Denver. Is that what you're saying? This is a team that wants it. They're focused. They're f they got great fans in Colorado. Yeah. They really do. They've had good college hockey, and they've they've supported this Avalanche team for years, right when they came from Quebec. And uh, remember, this was the worst team in the league five years ago when they started. The worst team, last, when they brought Bednar in there. And they've built it. Sackick's done an amazing job. Uh, they seem to get along. And, uh, you know, like I said, they miss a piece like uh, 
like uh, Kadri, who comes back and man, he's the game winner. It was it was something. It's something to behold. Um, and Tampa's got a nice team. Uh, they they're missing point a lot in there because they really don't have the offensive push without him in there. He led the league. He led the league in scoring. Goals or overall scoring, I can't remember, the last two years in the playoffs. So uh, he came back and tried to play the first couple of games and was was not himself. It was a shell of himself. It was like watching Stone down the stretch right. here. And so uh, he was doing more more damage than good for their team. A, a lot of people feel the way you do because this line opened yesterday, I believe it was 165 or 170. It's now up to 190 right now. Uh, all avalanche money. An avalanche of money coming in on the Colorado avalanche here. Uh, Double B. Well, you certainly uh, are, are don't you, want to go to game six and yeah. go back to Tampa. You right. just don't. I mean, this team has been resilient. They came back against Toronto. They came back against the Rangers. And so you need to, you need to slay them when they're down. Marco, I know no one loves laying 190 or $2 in hockey, but is there a Tampa Bay side in this game? I can't play Tampa off of it in going back to the coach when you said, you know, he's whining. That doesn't instill confidence into your locker room. It, you know, if you're sitting there whining about, the, you know, you got to say, hey, it happened. You know, we should have still stopped the puck. You know, we had our opportunities to score in this game. We didn't move on. I don't think it sends a good message to the rest of the team. I think it ends tonight. Do I want to lay that? No, but I'm not betting Tampa. If I did anything with Colorado tonight, I would put them in a money line parlay, find something in baseball to hook them up with. <laughs> but I do like the total. Um, I think this is going to go over the six. This is a spot, you know, it's a closeout game. If the only way it doesn't go over is if Tampa wins. Tampa, for Tampa to win this game tonight, it's got to be one of those 3 2 type of games, their style. But you're playing in Colorado's building where they have dictated the tempo of the game. And if you fall behind by two goals and you get into that third period, you're going to pull the goalie a lot earlier than you would so you can get not one empty netter but maybe two empty netters. I'm, there's no way I'm playing under. I did have under in game five or game four, I should say, and I held my breath the whole time. Even though it was one nothing after one, I still was holding my breath because they're calling so many penalties in this series and the power plays have been – they're scoring on it. It's not the Golden Knights out there on the power play. Let me tell but, you but that. But to your the point, the Colorado power play has been incredibly impressive. The way they've moved the puck around and the way they keep the zone. I mean, th that puck. It's you got to you got to find a crease to get it out of there. That's yeah, incredible. I mean, you can make the the case for what you just said. I, that was my mindset too. Is lay, lay the puck and a half tonight. If if you're gonna play it, I mean, because we've seen this in elimination games, they do pull. Uh, the, the goalie earlier as well too, and you could and and your first thing, Double B, was they're going to obliterate this team. Yeah. And I think you know you don't need them to obliterate them. You just need them to beat them, you know, three to one or four to two, <laughs> yeah. you know. But I I could see this being like a, a five two game, a five one game. I could see that. I I, I could see it. The, the the thing that that can steal it is Vasilevsky. I mean, watching him and Sizerkin take on in the in the in the. Uh, uh, Conference finals was, was a thing of beauty. Those are two really exceptional goalies. And it took two weird bounces to beat Vasilevsky in Tampa. Mm -hmm. um, those two were just kind of lucky bounces, right? Yeah. Went off the back of McKinnon's skate as he was skating by, <laughs> yeah. and the other one ricocheted off of Cogliano. Uh, he was that good. He was that dialed in. But then it was just too much in overtime. They just kept coming and coming and coming. They put tremendous pressure on you. Um, now... 
Kemper was not great early on. That backhand, I could have stopped from my couch. <laughs> I mean, it was his first. It was it was it was Hedman's first backhanded goal of the season, and it was from nine miles away. I'm like, oh my god! And even in the first goal, yeah. he laid this fat rebound out. His helmet came off. I'm like, yeah. what is he doing? So uh, he did settle into the game. But Tampa doesn't challenge you all that much. Uh, uh, Palat's a, guy, a gifted guy, and, and of course, if they're on the power play, they got Stamkos hammering it in there. But uh, you know, you're not afraid of their third and fourth line. I mean, you're just not. I mean, it's uh, uh, Paul is pretty good, but uh, you know, when they bring that maroon line and and uh, um, Perry in, I mean, they just they just they're just not going to score. You just had the feeling that this was Colorado's year, right? I mean, we kind of had that feeling. Yeah, for the majority of the season, especially once you got into the playoffs. They've stayed relatively healthy. Um, they did lose Landeskog uh, uh, for a long period of time after, uh, right until the end of the season, they got him healthy, but they didn't need him because they were so far ahead. Uh, they didn't win the Presidents. I think that went to Florida, but nobody cares about the Presidents Trophy. Um, they're, they're big gun. Uh, McKinnon is incredible. He's just like a bull when he's on the ice and he gets cycled and going. Uh, Rantanen has stepped up. Um, I would like to see Burakowski back out there. I think he's out with a hand injury as well. Uh, but they've stayed, for the whole part, relatively healthy. And then you go down to their their, 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 their secondary scoring, and Comper could put the puck in the net. Heck, if it wasn't for Vasilevsky, he's going he's gonna to score four or five times, it looks like, in that game, because he had those top opportunities. And uh, Logan, Logan uh, Thompson, is that his name? Logan O'Connor. Logan O'Connor looks fantastic. He looks as fast as anybody I've ever seen out there. He almost got the game winner uh, on a breakaway in overtime. The whole team is fast. I yeah. mean, when you, you look at but that's and we talked about it when we previewed the series, it's two contrasting styles. You, you've got Tampa that plays old school hockey. We want to get that one goal lead, and we're going to pack it in, you know, and play tight defense, and you've got the best goalie in the league over the last, you know, how many years. And as you said, going back to the Rangers series, you had – the best goalie over the last five years versus the best goalie this year. And the Rangers just got tired is what it came down to. Uh, they were up 2 nothing. They were playing on high, but they played two seven-game series before that, and they just ran out of steam at the end of that one. Um, I don't know if this has ever happened. I'm rooting for it to happen. Corey Perry, one of the most hated people in the league, could play on three losing consecutive teams <laughs> in the Stanley Cup Finals, three different teams. That's, I, I can't imagine that ever happened. Uh, but he's a dirty player, and I root against him wherever he is. That sounds Buffalo Bills-esque. No, I'm not Buffalo Bills. He's on three different teams. It's easier to be on three winning teams yes. because you can, you can go sign. You know, cherry pick. Yeah, with the best. Yeah, yeah. cherry pick. Exactly. All right, Double B, uh, we have not talked with you the last couple of weeks since the Golden Knights signed uh, Bruce Cassidy as their new head coach. Your thoughts? The Knights signing the former Boston Bruins head you, coach. You know, I haven't given it all that much thought. I, I certainly disagreed with the uh, uh, firing of, of Gallant. Uh, I was actually disappointed uh, with the uh, removal of DeBoer. Mm -hmm. I thought it really wasn't his fault. Uh, down the stretch, they missed 500 games due to injury. He did get us to the conference finals for two years in a row prior to that, uh, despite all the COVID things. So I actually thought that was a little uh, a knee-jerk reaction for the team that just mm -hmm. missed the playoff by three points. Uh, Cassidy on paper looks fantastic. Right? I mean, he, he got Boston the playoffs every year. He got them to the cup finals one year, and uh, it took that St. Louis team that was on a uh, kind of a destiny to beat him at home there. Um, he's had some unusual players that he's had to deal with in Merchant over there and, and guys like that. Um, maybe they were getting a little old and changing their direction. Um, is he a hard-nosed coach? I don't even know. I, I don't know because I don't follow uh, the East hockey quite as much. 
Uh, I was really surprised to see Paul Maurice go to uh, Florida, by the way. I think that was a huge mismatch, but we'll see how that goes. Um, so we'll wait and see. I mean, he's got the talent. He's got a team that's, that's built for the cup if they stay healthy. So uh, if he if he's gets them to gel and gets them ready to play, we'll see. My thing is, and you hit the nail on the head, I agree with you. They should never fire, go on. Yeah. And pulling, you know, to, somebody had to go. I knew somebody had to go, okay, and he's the guy that ended up going. But coming from my Pittsburgh background and going to the Steelers, I had – Three coaches in my lifetime. Yeah, still we three have, coaches. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We have a franchise that's made the playoffs every year except one, and we're on our third coach. That's not that's not a byline that you want to have or your headline. Yeah, the, the Rooney family has it dialed in where they, 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 they don't uh, just eliminate coaches because of one bad year or one bad thing. Uh, hockey's different. It's weird. They just... Hockey just gets rid of coaches. They just they just don't stick around, and it's it's strange to see uh, the way they just recycle uh, more than anywhere else. I mean, uh, it's nice to see a guy like Bednar who comes up from the the, the assistant coach ranks, and or or the guy that's in Pittsburgh now who won those two cups that came up that route, uh, and some new blood. But it just seems like it's always the same guys. Cassidy is fairly young. I'm not sure how old he is. Uh, his record looks great. Um, I don't really know his style, but Boston was successful. Uh, he had the best line in the league for probably the last five, six years uh, that's now getting old. Uh, maybe maybe that they'll bring that guy Pasternak over. I kind of like him. Uh, <laughs> but I don't want to see Marchant on this team. I don't think he'd be, he'd be well thought of. So uh, uh, it was interesting. I always thought that they would be looking more at um, Barry Trotz, uh, who's still out there. Uh, but I don't know who they looked at. Uh, all of a sudden, there was an announcement. Yeah. I'm like, wow, all right. Well, what do you think? I know who hates Cassidy, and that's Trevor the referee. I was going to say. Hates him. I'm like, his opinion was just like direct. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I, I didn't realize you'd have that strong of an opinion on him, but he really didn't like that. Pick, so. Something had to be going on behind closed doors. And again, I guess it wasn't good enough you know, for the Bruins, you know, getting, not getting deep into the, into the postseason. But Cassidy, 57 years old, by the way. Okay. Yeah. So, so he splits the difference between me and you. There you go. <laughs> very, very nice. Wow. <laughs> Can't argue that one. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Um, how you feeling, man? I'm feeling pretty good. I had a great, great session in rehab today in, in, in PT. Uh, the good folks up at uh, Eric's uh, uh, Soder up there uh, in the Northwest have been treating me real well. They work hard. Uh, I had my first cardio session in three months yesterday. All right. uh, so that felt good to try to get back on that. Uh, two new knees. I feel I'm going to be stronger in heck come uh, come hockey season. All right. when, uh, when's the uh, first ice time coming? Uh, hopefully in the fall. All right. Hopefully in the fall I get back I on the skates. I we have some rehab in the ice, you know. Well, it's 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 a little much right now. The <laughs> lateral is a little much, and I still can't quite bend it as much or keep it straight. Right. Sitting is brutal, so going into meetings and whatnot is, is tough. But uh, I'm very happy with where I am, and, uh, you know, I uh, couldn't say more about my doctor, Dr. Crivetti. Uh, has been and his team have been fantastic all along the way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm only five weeks after the second surgery. but Doing you know, great, man. I uh, feel pretty good. On the whole, today's the first day I was able to wear jeans, which is a little <laughs> unusual. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's it, it's a lot to take on. Uh, but you, you got to put in the work, yeah. and uh, I'm not shy from the work. I want to get back on my bike, hopefully uh, sometime this summer. Uh, you know, back on the road. Right. Uh, and so yeah, I feel pretty good. I've I actually watched some college baseball, believe it or not. That a boy. There you um, go. College baseball is the longest sport 
of all time to watch. Those, those games will go for a long time. Sometimes There's five no hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm rooting for Ole Miss because, uh, you know, my I have friends in Mississippi from when I lived down there, and uh, my my good friends uh, have a split family, Mississippi State, yeah. who won their first title last year, and now Mississippi hopefully comes on top. Well, what's of a rebel? Say. Always a rebel. That's why I like it. They're right. going to hotty toddies up there. Very hotty toddies. Very nice. What do you think of Arch Manning's yeah. decision? That's been a lot of hype. Texas, man. You know, I, I don't know. It's Can he live up? Can he possibly I, live up to the hype? I would. I was asking that myself that question yesterday. I don't I don't know. That, that will be interesting to see. All right, we got to roll to a break. On the other side, Steve Berline is going to join us. We talk a little uh, NFL early on. We'll look at some futures as well, that with Marco. But Double B, we appreciate you uh, being here, my man. As always, get back, get healthy. No I'm, I listen, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's almost puzzle season right now. And when, when it's done, when the hockey's over and puzzles. before football, I do That's some it. puzzles and I, I get yeah. ready for the next right. season. Right. So. Get that, keep that pickleball form. You can practice that pickleball form pickleball during rehab. I get it ready. Yep. That's right. There I'll you be go. Ready. I'll be on the courts. All right. The goal for there is at the end of September. So we'll see. I count on it. <laughs> My man, Brian Benowitz in the house. Marco D'Angelo, TC Martin, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live. Bryant sends one a deep left way back. It is gone. A three-run homer. In the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the T.C. Martin Show. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh, my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ballpark. T.C. Martin. Way back in my feet. It could be. Cobweb. 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 Holy cow. Look at the left fielder. He has the ball in the end. He has that one. And here comes the cubs out on the field. is now in hour number two here on this friday live from the cosmopolitan of las vegas of course no better place to be here inside the sports book powered by william hill plenty of baseball on tap not only tonight but throughout the weekend as well we'll dive into that in game number five stanley cup finals tonight the colorado avalanche looking to close out against the tampa bay lightning tc martin marco d'angelo here with you this hour we talk a little nfl as well too the quarterback of the T.C. Martin Show, Steve Berline, joins us. Uh, unfortunately, not here, and uh, he's not waiting in line at Blue Ribbon for the chicken, but he's on the phone, probably, I would guess, driving, uh, you know, Oceanside somewhere in Southern California is my guess. Steve Berline, what's going on, my man? Well, I, I'm... A uh, uh, little moment of reverence there for the song. I hear that in the background. That's great. <laughs> of course. Uh, well, you also you mentioned you mentioned the chicken, and every time you do that, you know I'm I'm not driving, but I'm grueling because you mentioned that chicken there at uh, the Cosmopolitan. So I uh, 
I uh, my, my I get distracted every time you bring that up. I know, I, and I do the same thing with, with Marco. The exact same thing. I mean, every week it, the chicken gets brought up in some way, shape, or form. I I'm known for the chicken now. There it is. I'm labeled yeah, for the chicken. Yeah, Steve. How well, you got to be known for something, though. You know, I mean, that's that's good. <laughs> that's good. There you go. <laughs> Steve, how many times have you got to uh, partake in blue ribbon chicken? Uh. I, I think the, the accurate count would probably be three and a half. Yeah, right. Exactly. Notice there's a half. Three and a half times. Right, right. right. I'm, just, I'm just writing down that's another person that's been there more times than I have. Oh. <laughs> Look at this shot. Look at this shot. Wow. Yeah, Steve Love went, it. Hey, Steve went on his own, I think, for one and a half times. Okay? <laughs> just so you know. I think I was only there twice with him. Okay? And I think that's true. Yeah. It, it, so, so Marco, it's, you're, you're, you're right there. It's neck and neck. I don't want to hear about that nonsense, all right? And, and Steve... Uh, unlike you, he he couldn't get enough. He took the bucket home with him on the on the drive back to L.A. and made a mess of his that's car a, with it. That's why I'm calling the half. That's, that's right. That's the half. <laughs> because I, I, it was it was a little bit it was a little bit stale, but still really good. It was like I bought it the night before, and I ate it on the way home from Vegas. So, uh, still very very good though. It, it actually it actually holds up pretty well overnight. Just for the record. I'll send both of you guys pictures tonight. How's that? <laughs> I know you'll send me pictures. <laughs> uh, Marco, if you're available after the show, we can always, you know, we can always go over there. And, uh, but I don't know if uh, we'll, they'll have the Yankees and the Astros game on. <laughs> we might be throwing chicken at the TV after last night's game. Brutal. Uh, uh, brutal. All right, Steve. So what's going on, my friend? Uh, what, what's happening here in your offseason? Well, you know, just, just trying to keep up with everything. Uh, you know, right now, uh, obviously the big the big story is uh, are the Avs going to do it tonight in in five or five? I guess right. This would be game five. Yep. Um, so uh, that's the only real story out there, other than some golf stuff going on. But in uh, baseball, getting going, obviously too. But uh, you know, just trying to keep up with everything, like I always do, and trying to follow the different moves in football, which uh, applies a little bit more than. Uh, than other sports do to my background. But, uh, you know, really just, just trying to uh, keep up with everything, get out and play a little golf myself once in a while and, and trying to stay healthy. All right. Good good deal, my friend. You know, we got the sad news uh, yesterday about Tony Saragusa passing shockingly at, in his sleep at age 55. Uh, some thoughts about Tony Saragusa. Did you know him well at all, Steve? And I'm not even sure if you guys had worked together in the past. No, I did not know him well, but, um, you know, everybody knew Tony. And uh, our careers over, overlapped, obviously, and I played against him several times. And, you know, he was one of those guys that you, you just you felt like you knew him, even though you really didn't, because on the field he was just uh, – he was so easy, so gregarious, so approachable. Even if he was on the opposition, you know, the opposing team, uh, during TV timeouts and stuff, he was the kind of guy that would come up to you and just talk to you like he'd known you forever. And, uh, you know, you got a real sense of what he was like as a teammate, as a person. Um, and I never really, I, I can honestly say I never heard anybody ever say anything negative about Tony Siragusa. And um, just one of those guys that had the big personality, could get away with saying whatever he wanted because of that personality and also because of the size. But, um, a phenomenal, phenomenal person and a, a very impactful 
uh, dominant player in his own right on the inside uh, of that great uh, Baltimore Ravens defense during those years. Was there a Tony Saragusa sack of Steve Berline? No. Well, listen. <laughs> uh, I, Tony Saragusa did not have a lot of sacks. That's true. Uh, but I would I would venture to say that um, he, he, I may have been on his on his list because <laughs> I did not avoid many sacks. So I. I was not able to get away from many people, and I, I was probably one of the few guys that Tony could run down. Uh, and, uh, uh, I'm not proud of that, but I'm, I'm just being realistic here. Steve Berline, the <laughs> author of the sit-down sack. It's like, here they come. Kind of, oh, I, I better go ahead and, 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 and sit down here a little bit, you know? No. No, 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 no. That, 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 let's not go there. I never you. I'm te- I'm I never. I'm I stood in there and took it like a man. Yeah. So. <laughs> Make that clarification very clear. No, very, I'm, very much so. I'm just giving yes, you. Sir. I'm giving you bad time, man. I shouldn't have even said that because no, you you took it, man. And like you said, it was like in that day and age, uh, you know, there there, there were no uh, penalty flags uh, when you got hit, you know. There were no roughing the passer no, no, no. calls. I mean, there should have been. No, no. There should have been tons of them, they, but there wasn't. Well, they, oh, if, uh, by today's rules, I would have, uh, I would have had in the hundreds. Uh, those the number of hits that would have been, you know, penalized and fined and all that kind of stuff. But you know, back then it was kind of a badge of honor to stand in there and take a shot. And uh, you know, we took a lot of pride in that. And and uh, you never wanted to be one of those guys that was accused of being gun shy or not able to take a shot and um you know i always used to say to people you know they would they would talk about how i got beat up in a certain game and i said listen you know i put a lot of pressure on my offensive line because i don't move very well i don't move very much and if you if you don't move well and you can't avoid a stack you better be able to take a hit and that's because that's going to happen that's the way it goes and uh, fortunately i was able to take a hit for uh uh my whole career 17 years and uh, still able to talk about it fairly articulately. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, have a, he has all of his faculties uh, together, no doubt about it. He's uh, most, most of them, not all of them, most of them. <laughs> <laughs> he is Steve Berline, and uh, he joins us here. Steve, uh, I want to get your thoughts here, and we'll talk more about this as this as the season progresses or we get closer to it, I should say, uh, with the Raiders. And you know, they completed their OTAs last week. I uh, got a chance to talk to Darren Waller, a couple of the other guys, and they seem to be very happy, like everybody is in OTAs, right? I mean, you know, before training camp, you know, come June and everything, everyone's thinking, okay, yeah, we got a good shot here. What is your take about Josh McDaniels, and what kind of coach is he going to be with this Raiders team? Because obviously right now there's a lot of high expectations because of getting guys like Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones on the other side of the ball. Um, your thoughts here uh, on how you think this is going to work out in Vegas? Well, you know, I think that Josh um, was the right hire for the Raiders, given their uh, the state of where they are right now, and I think the right timing uh, for him personally. You know, he's been very, very patient waiting for the right opportunity to come his way after his uh, you know initial uh, stint with the, the very short stint with the Denver Broncos, which he'd probably look back at it and say, you know, maybe he wasn't ready at that time for all that the job entailed. But he learned a lot, went back to the Patriots, and and probably just really started focusing on what he needed to do when that next opportunity were were to come. And I think right now he's picked a great situation. You know, the energy around the Raiders organization 
in general, being in Vegas, as you know, is second to none. And with the moves that they've made this offseason and bringing in Devontae Adams and, as you said, Chandler and uh, all the different moves that they've made, I, you know, I think that the, the Raiders are expecting to contend in what is arguably the, the most difficult, most competitive division in the NFL. So uh, I, think, I think Josh McDaniel was a great fit for, uh, for that team right now. And, and uh, you know, I'd be disappointed and surprised if it didn't work out to be a real good overall situation for several years to come. Steve, a question for you, not with the Raiders, but the situation that's going to go on in Cleveland. We don't know about Deshaun Watson, what uh, the suspension's going to be. You've got a lame duck quarterback in Baker Mayfield that is not going to take another snap in Cleveland, I don't think. What do they do for this season? Is this going to be a lost season? Because the pieces are there. They felt they could go to the you know go to the Super Bowl last year. They thought they were a contender. Of course, Baker was hurt uh, on and off most of the year. But it's a bad situation right now for a team that's got a lot of talent. No doubt, and uh, I think that barring uh, you know a, a suspension for Deshaun Watson that lasts more than you know half the season, um, I, I really expect the, uh, the the Cleveland Browns just because of that move and because of what you said, you know, the young talent they have on that team, they've got a, a really underrated, under, uh, I think, appreciated defense um, that, that uh, given uh, a, a compatible, consistent offense playing with them, I think will be very good. Um, if Deshaun Watson is able to play over half the season, I think that the Cleveland Browns will find their way into the playoffs and, uh, and make an impact. I, he's that kind of a player. Uh, he can he can change the whole uh, direction of a franchise, you know. And, and I know he's hungry and eager to get back on the field and prove uh, that he can still do it. And uh, you know, I, I really think it's a great situation, barring a, a really significant suspension. And I don't think that's going to happen. All right, Steve Berline joins us, talking a little NFL here, a little off-season NFL, talking Raiders, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield. Then there's the Green Bay Packers. Uh, a lot of people are thinking, eh, the Packers uh, don't have it this year because there is no Devontae Adams. you still got number 12 back there. And for some reason, Steve, the Packers have always either drafted well or they've picked up some quality wide receiver street-free agents. Do you think the Packers will 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 still make this, this deep run into the postseason uh, with the wide receiving core that they currently have right now? You know, I think that Aaron Rodgers is still going to be Aaron Rodgers, but I do believe that the loss of Devontae Adams is going to be something that's really going to haunt them. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, I've never, and you know this, TC, we've talked about it before, I've never looked at Aaron Rodgers as being a great leader. Right. And uh, he's a great quarterback, uh, but I don't think he is a great leader. And I think having a, a veteran with the competitiveness, the leadership ability that, Devontae Adams exhibited during his time there, I think that's going to hurt that locker room a little bit. And I, I, I do think that when push comes to shove, uh, they're going to really regret uh, not finding a way to keep uh, Devontae Adams. And I'd, I'd be surprised if they were able to make up for that loss. Um, so, you know, I expect Aaron Rodgers to still put up great numbers. I expect Green Bay to still, you know, be a contender in the NFC. But, uh, but I don't see him with the ability to take it all the way uh, given a loss that significant. Hmm. 
So last week, Steve, uh, we had uh, your good friend Jay Schrader uh, joined us, and Jay came uh, up to the show, and he had 10 betting tickets with him. And they were future bets on who was going to win the Super Bowl. And he quickly said, well, these are not mine. They're, they're my sister's. So we got a sister on the phone, and she broke down each one of her 10 tickets that she had there. And, 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 I, and I made three different piles of these tickets are saying, one, this, okay, you know, this one has a legitimate shot. This, not so much. And then the, the trash can uh, over here. So I, I'm curious, right. if Steve Berline was going to go to the window to, be, to, uh, to bet a futures ticket, who would you be betting on to win the Super Bowl this year? Well, do you, do you, you don't forget what I did last year, do you? This is true. Now, I should, I should have set it up with that. Not only did, yeah. did Steve go, go to the window, but he went on, on multiple tickets as well. But the two tickets he had made it to the Super Bowl. And he well, had, actually, well, had the, well, you had so, the Buffalo Bills, correct, right? So, let me clear. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I had the Rams go. and the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills, Bills right. Yes. And, then, and by all rights, that was the actual – I mean, there's no way. I still don't know how the Kansas City Chiefs won that AFC Championship, and I believe that Buffalo deserved it. But but I I, I went up. I felt great about both those teams. Um, I still feel great about both of those teams this year again. Um, and if I had to say who do I like the most, um, you know, I would I would say those are probably the top two teams. Now, what I did last year, I didn't want to go with the favorites. I wanted to go with what teams that I thought would. Would would be uh, kind of a you know m- you know middle of the road or maybe upper upper third of the NFL in terms of the odds and uh, those are the two teams that jumped out at me. If I had to choose a team like that this year, I, I would say keep an eye on the Indianapolis Colts with Matt Ryan. Um, I think that's going to be a team that's going to surprise some people and play really well. Um, and I think you know from the NFC, if I had to choose. One team, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it, trying to figure out what, it, what it's going to, who's going to jump out at me. Uh, and I, I, I'm having a hard time. I have to study the NFC a little bit more. Uh, there's nobody that really jumps out to me as a, a team that, that would, would be worth laying some money on right now at this point. Mm-hmm. Mark, what about you? Well, definitely uh, the Buffalo Bills should have been in the Super Bowl last year. <clears throat> they got to get rid of that. You know, that was – the rule of flip a coin, you know, and that decided. Whoever was going to get the ball first, those, both defenses were absolutely gassed at the end of that game, mm-hmm. and it came down to a coin flip. They're gonna, they've got the experience now several years uh, with Josh Allen in the playoffs. They're taking that next step. I think this is the year for them. The AFC yeah. West, those teams are going to beat one another up. And the problem that's going to have Kansas City obviously is the favorite coming out of that division, but they're not going to get home field advantage, I think, because they're going to take turns beating each other, which might get them a 10 and 6, you know, type record, and somebody else is going to get a better home field uh, record in, in go, and that's Buffalo. I think they'll have the best record and be playing at home in the AFC Championship game. The NFC. On paper, you've got to look at the Rams, obviously, because they've been there. But this might finally, finally be Dallas's year. We keep, you know, <laughs> we say that all the time, but this might be the year. Oh. Well, hey, let, me, let, me, let me jump in there, TC. I agree 
100% with the Buffalo pick. I would go with Buffalo and the Rams, again, as my two choices. I, I just don't have the confidence in, in the Cowboys yet in the big games. I haven't seen it from Dak. I, I, I just haven't been won over in those situations when, when he really has to step up and play well. I don't think he's done it in the big games. But I think the Cowboys, as much as anything else in the NFC, uh, you, you'd have to give them, you know, uh, at least a thought. You'd have to give Tampa Bay, with if Brady stays healthy, a thought, uh, along with the Rams. So the other, I, I think the point about the AFC West is 100% right. I think there, there, there are any one of the four teams conceivably could emerge as one of the strongest challenges to Buffalo uh, in the AFC. Um, but uh, I think you got to go with Buffalo as a favorite for sure. How much do you think Kansas City will be hurt without Tyreek Hill? I think significantly. Um, you know, I, I know Andy Reid has really been a magician with what he's been able to, to do with, uh, with those receiver positions. And I know they picked up Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, but, you know, Tyreek Hill has been the one constant along with Travis Kelsey in that offense. And uh, I, he, he's such an explosive player that, uh, you know, I think with the receiving core that they have now, even though they've got a lot of really good receivers, uh, there's nobody on that receiving core that scares the crap out of a defensive coordinator on the other side. Uh, Tyreek Hill was that guy. So I think they will miss Tyreek Hill significantly when push comes to shove, especially in the big games down the stretch. You know, a lot of people like to look at value when they're doing NFL futures. I'm going to throw a team at you guys and give me your thing because there there is some value. I mean, it's it's more than double digits on the Tennessee Titans. Can the Titans get there? Steve? Well, you know, I think they can. The way that they play defense, the way they run the football, it really is going to come down to Ryan Tannehill. And, and I do believe that the biggest – problem the Tennessee Titans had last year was they lost Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator. He went down to Atlanta, and I think that's what hurt Ryan Tannehill the most, was losing Arthur Smith. And now you, you combine that also with the fact that they lost A.J. Brown. And I, I don't understand how they could, put, they, could even, they could even defend letting A.J. Brown go. Um, so I think the loss of A.J. Brown um, combined with the fact that Ryan Tannehill took a step back last year without Arthur Smith. I think I just I see them being a good football team, but I think the Colts are going to take control of that division as long as Matt Ryan stays healthy and um, and uh, obviously Jonathan Taylor. But uh, I think they're the best team in that division. It's a good point about Arthur Smith, but how much of that last year with Ryan Tannehill is you don't have the security blanket of the big running back, uh, Derrick Henry, uh, to bail you out. You know, with all the games that he missed last year, put more pressure on Ryan Tannehill. And I've, you know, I've never been a total fan of his as far as the big game. You want to make the reference back to Dak Prescott. Here's another guy that hasn't gotten over the hump for the big game. That was my concern with Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Well, and let me say this, TC, on that, on that note. I agree with those points. Uh, but if you look at this, the, per, the performance of Ryan Tannehill before Derrick Henry got hurt last year, he was very average to poor prior to losing Derrick Henry. And uh, it just didn't get better uh, as the year went along. So, uh, But I do think that the, the other – the other points, obviously, is very valid. And, and Derrick Henry on the field, for sure, makes an impact on anybody, anybody as a quarterback 
just having that luxury of him in the backfield. Yeah, no doubt. And I think you hit the nail on the head, too, about A.J. Brown. I mean, that is a huge loss. Uh, massive, I, I, yeah. massive. Yeah, no question about it. Steve Berline uh, joins us. All right, my man, before we let you go, uh, let's talk a little baseball because I know how much uh, that you, you love baseball here. And I don't know if uh, you've been out to Dodger Stadium all and seen the Dodgers, but uh, how concerned are you that the Dodgers, because they sure they swept can- uh, Cincinnati here the last few days, but over the last few weeks not playing great ball. Mookie, Beck, uh, Mookie Betts injured, but before the injury, he was like five for his last 40. Trey Turner's back at the top of the lineup there, uh, which I like. And since uh, Turner's been back at the top, um, you know, he's he's like, uh, I believe, seven for his last 13. What's the, the feeling down there, man? Dodger baseball, what do you think? Well, you know, everybody's always taking shots at the Dodgers and, and looking for chinks in the armor, right? But... Uh, the bottom line is we all know that come October they're going to be there. If they're full strength and or anywhere close to full strength, and you know Mookie is going to be back. There's no doubt about it. And um, you know they they went through a slump, but you still you look at their last ten, they're six and four, and that's a slump for the Dodgers. And you know they'll they'll go through one or two more of these little periods during the season, I would think as well. But uh, they're going to remain in control of that division, even though. Yeah, they're only one game up on the Padres, and uh, five and a half, I'm looking at it on the Giants. The Padres, what a great story that is. But I think, you know, come down the stretch, uh, everybody knows that the Dodgers are the team to look out for. And uh, as you said with Trey Turner, and uh, they're, they're going to always have a strong pitching staff. Um, you know, I think they're going to be just fine. I'm not, I'm not worried about the Dodgers. Let's put it that way. Is there any truth to the rumor that the Angels have contacted you about their uh, managerial vacancy? There is some truth to that, um, but uh, but you know the, the I I convinced them that they may want to search for a few other options just in case. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yes. All right, brother. Uh, appreciate the time uh, as always, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to you getting back here to Vegas. I mean, it is summertime, Steve. You know, uh, you, you're you're a quick flight away, quick drive away here. Uh, you got any plans coming this way? You know, I may. Uh, there's an event coming up uh, in the not-too-distant future. I can't remember. I'm going to get the name of it here, but uh, but it's coming up that I've been invited to come out for, and I hope I can make it. It's called the, uh, uh, what is it called? It's uh, Battle for Vegas, the charity softball game. Oh, Have you yeah. heard about that? Yeah, the Battle for Vegas, they, they do this every year here. Yeah, that's usually the, uh, the, the Raiders and the Golden Knights. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yes. It's July 18th. Yes, yes. Um, and I've been invited to come out there. And, um, you know, if I were to come out there, uh, I would have to be the designated hitter because I don't think I can make it to first base. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't swung a baseball bat in a long time, but I might just be there to uh, – to encourage my Raider teammates if I make it out there. Now, now listen here. It is slow-pitch softball, my friend. All right? And we know that you were a fantastic baseball player, basketball. You played it all back in the day. You do not lose that overnight, Stephen. If you've seen the roster that is comprised of these celebrity, quote, you know, uh, athlete uh, softball game here, you're going to fit right in. I I can pencil you in for left field right now. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, come on, man. Well, first off, 
No, it, it would be first base. They're not going to play left field. That left field, left field gets a lot of action in slow pitch softball. It does. I ain't going to be playing left field. And I, I've got two, I've got two knees that need to be replaced, man. And I've already got two fake hips. So I, uh, I just don't know if I can trust myself. Uh, making the turn on that pitch. So, I get you. I don't know. I, I get I'll get out there and I'll take a few swings if I go, and we'll see how it feels. But I'm not I'm not overly confident. There is, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Berline, your third base coach. I can see, I can see it right now. Number, <laughs> number, seven, number seven at third base coach. There it is. Yeah. Those three and a half buckets yeah, yes, of uh, chicken wings don't help that run to first base. Yeah. <laughs> you see, I was going to say, well, the only reason he's coming uh, is because – this is true. That's, you know, believe it or not, that is one of the top two reasons why I'm coming, for sure. <laughs> That's it. No I, doubt. I'm curious what the, what the second reason is. You know, I wonder what that other reason would well, be. I, well, I, I didn't say it was number one. I said the top two. I, I know. And huh. Yeah. Well, well, the other is just because it's Vegas. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You know, it's Vegas, and uh, the invite's there, and, uh, you know, the chicken is right up there with that, I guess. That was, that's what I would say. Of course. So remember, there is a, a craps table and a bucket of chicken with Steve Berline's name on it here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Uh, that two things that just do nothing but continue to cause me problems. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, brother. Thanks for the time, right. man. And we'll talk to you soon. All right, see you guys. There it is. Steve Berline. Always fun uh, getting him in a little off-season action here. And he loves talking baseball, basketball, you know, all of the above. I mean, he's even talking about the Avalanche tonight. Mar- Marco, I mean, I, I, we're seeing the festivities, you know, early on here. Denver, you just kind of see the, the crowd is amped up, and they're planning on a celebration here tonight. I know I know, it's a, it's a hefty price to lay here, but sh- should we be in on the Avalanche, on, on the puck line? Well, as we said, with it being the uh, elimination game, you definitely will have the empty netter if they're behind uh, Tampa Bay, and they'll do it early. So you're going to have extended period to get that one-goal lead if it is one to two. So, yes, in Colorado, as much as they want it, they want it in their building. They want the fans to experience. And there's nothing like watching the players Skater. I mean, I got to see it, you know, with the mm. Penguins several times and just passing that, the cup from one yeah. person to another. It's uh, it's fun to watch, and they, and they want to do that. Yeah, they'll have their parade anyways, but it's not the same as that night yeah. in that building, especially for, you know, a team that, you know, been a while. We should get Numchuck on this, or, or you may know this, Mark, or, or can find it during the break. Is I, I'm just wondering how many closeout games in Stanley Cup finals over the last, I don't know, five, seven years, it's been, you know, more than a one-goal game. Yeah. I'm just curious about that, you know. So, uh, yeah, because, again, I mean, they kind of priced it out here in minus 190 for you to, to, to jump on Colorado. And if you remember, games one and two, this was like pick them. Right. For the game. So you're, you're definitely paying the price for yeah. Colorado. And, you know, Vegas knows that it's pretty much over. I, you know, they have dictated the tempo, the pace. Uh, of this game uh, of the series other than game three which let's face it it was two nothing Colorado they were coming on a off a complete laugher in game two Uh, that was the game for Tampa to win but the statement game was game four Colorado found a way to win the game and avoided being tied if this thing was tied 
Tampa, you know, with their experience and all the pressure going back to Colorado, uh, you know, advantage Tampa. Yeah. All right, we come back. We'll handicap some baseball for tonight. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo, live at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas on this fabulous Friday. The T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. He was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The doctor is now in. They're playing your song, Marco D'Angelo. <laughs> Put me in. Oh, Steve Berline says, don't put me in. <laughs> I mean, he, he went the opposite direction there. But it's funny, he's talking about double knee replacement and double B. Brian Benowitz just went through that, recovery nicely. I got to tell Steve, hey, there's hope for you, man. D- don't worry about it. I mean, I've never seen anybody recover the way double B has with his double knee replacement. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would still be on the couch. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo with you here on this Friday afternoon. We've talked some NFL. We've talked Stanley Cup Finals tonight. The Cup in the building there in Denver as the Avalanche look to close it out tonight. They have three games to one. That controversial goal um, by the uh, Avalanche got him to 3-1. They're back at home. We'll see if they close it out tonight. $1.90 favorite over the Colorado Avalanche tonight. We'll see if Tampa Bay can win, extend this Series to a game six, go back to Tampa Bay. But we're going to talk some baseball here to close the show with. We talked about the Astros and the Yankees. Great series. Uh, top two teams in the American League battling. Uh, great game last night. We'll see what happens tonight. Justin Verlander goes to the hill for Houston tonight. Luis Severino. Marco doesn't want to have any action in this game, understandably so, because it's hard to go against the Yankees. But, yes, I will take a shot with JV tonight. Justin Verlander. Um, and the banking of the Astros' bats will continue to stay hot as they've been. But looking forward to this entire series. Looking at the rest of the card here, Marco. Uh, let's talk about some games here, getting ready to start. Uh, the Boston Red Sox and the Cleveland Guardians. I said it there, the Guardians. Uh, I used to call Nick Pavetta four-run Nick because he would always give up four runs. And it was working real good for me earlier on. And I've never, I haven't bet on Pavetta this year until tonight because he's actually been very good. He's won seven of his last eight starts. Cal Contrell going for Cleveland. Nothing special category. That's what I put Contrell in. And uh, he got blasted in his last outing. Now, granted, that was against the Dodgers where he went five innings, ten hits, five runs. But he his last three wins prior to that, not real impressive. And they were against the likes of Oakland, Texas, and Kansas City. I like the Red Sox here. What about you? I agree with you. It actually is one of my plays tonight as I gave my clients. I'm on Boston. you got two hot teams playing. They're both 8-2 and two, uh, in their last 10 games. But uh, Boston extend that out. I think they're 16-4 and four, uh, for the month of uh, June. So I'm going to ride the hot team here and uh, keep it going with uh, Nick Pavetta. I'll be honest with you. This is one of those ones where I was back and forth whether I was going to go first five or go full game. And I decided to go ahead and go full game, but I have no problem if you want to split your bet up on this one and go uh, both ways. You know, go half a unit first five, half a unit for the full game. But agree with the Boston Red Sox. 
All right, um, there you go. Let's uh, look at the Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Urias going for the Dodgers. Ian Anderson uh, going for Atlanta. I put Ian Anderson in that same category, the nothing special you know, category here. Um, the Dodgers, as we've said, they sweep the Cincinnati Reds. It was the Reds. Now you're playing the Braves. Uh, you know, Braves have been playing some pretty good baseball. They're relatively healthy until Albies, you know, went out a couple days ago. But, uh, you know, you look at Urias, Marco. You know, he's much better than his record indicates at, at four and six. The problem was he just wasn't getting any run support. And I go to that Giants game, you know, a couple Saturdays ago where he struck out ten. I think he walked one. Was phenomenal. Might not have walked a batter in that game. It was kind of a hard luck loser in that game. I mentioned I like Trey Turner back at the top, seven for thirteen since replacing Betts there at the top. Uh, but uh, what do you think about the Dodgers tonight in Atlanta? It's hard not to like the Dodgers. Um, and you talked about Urias. And yes, he's pitched very well for the Dodgers. But he always has. Every once in a while, he throws that one in there where he'll go uh, You go back to the game on uh, the 31st against Pittsburgh. My Pirates, not a, a potent team, gave up four runs against them. Philadelphia, uh, back in the middle of May, he had the game where he gave up eight runs. Only five of them were earned, though. Uh, it's a spot where he just has that one bad game. Now, you talked about Anderson. His whip at home is 1.6. Uh, three. If he does that, and it, you know, like he did in the previous five starts at home, the Dodgers are going to score some runs. I think you look at the, you know, if you play it, you look at the Dodgers. I'm not involved. You might want to look at the uh, over as well in this game uh, if they do uh, score some runs because Atlanta, once you get out of the starting pitching, not a fan of the bullpen. That's uh, where I think the weak link is on this Braves team. Right. As has been the Dodgers in some games as well this year. Right. When you look at the the Dodgers, we know that they're still explosive. That they they can they can they can do their thing here. But what about long term? Any, any worries about the Dodgers? Considering the Padres have been a story this year, and the Giants are still there hanging around. If they are. The big question for me. I mean, we know barring injury, the Dodgers have great starting pitching. You know. Uh, if they keep everybody healthy. You look at once the starters leave the game, that's when you sometimes hold your breath with the Dodgers, but they've been able to cover it up because they're scoring runs. Uh, when that lineup is, is clicking, they can put a 6-7-8 spot on the board with no problem. Uh, so, But is that enough to win uh, you know, the, the division or go to the World Series? We'll see. You know, Maybe they'll be a candidate. Uh, you know, I don't know. They got the room to do it, but, you know, add some depth to the bullpen. Uh, it, you know, the trade deadline, that would be a possibility because I think that's the only thing holding this team back. All right. Toronto and Milwaukee. You've got uh, the Blue Jays have been on fire as of late. They have, score, they have scored in the last four games nine runs, six runs, seven runs, ten runs. Alec Manoa going tonight. Love Manoa. Hauser, not a big fan of. He's not a big strikeout guy. Hasn't had more than four, uh, more than five strikeouts in his last six starts. But uh, Toronto's bats, as we know, Marco, they have come alive, looking good. How do you see them today in Milwaukee? 
yeah, their bats have come alive, uh, TC, but what you failed to mention. The bullpen. Was, <laughs> the bullpen. The, they're giving up runs. Uh, listen to what Toronto's given up in the last six games. They gave up 12 runs to the Yankees. They lost 4 nothing to the Yankees. Then they gave up nine runs to the Yankees, eight runs to the White Sox, seven runs to the White Sox, and five last night. That's not going to get it done. Um, yeah, I like uh, the pitching matchup tonight. Uh, definitely, in when we were talking off air, this is one of those ones, if I play the game, it's absolutely only one way. It is Toronto, but it is first five. I'm not, I don't want to see that bullpen, okay? And if I lose it in the first five, I was going to lose it anyways because if Manoa doesn't have his stuff, you're done. So this is one of those ones where it's starter against starter, and yes, I'd take Toronto in that matchup. I mean, it's really hard to think that Manoa isn't going to have his stuff. In his 13 starts this year, he's given up two runs or less in 11 of those 13 starts. And the other two, he didn't get bombed. He gave up three runs and four runs. Uh, and what I like about Alex Manoa, he has not given up a homer in his last four starts as well, too. So yeah, I, I usually don't like playing, you know, four games or, you know, more than really two or three games in a day. But for some reason, this card just kind of popped out to me a little bit. I just, uh, and again, we're laying some very low lumber here as well, too, uh, with these games. Yeah, that's the key. Uh, you can't play all big favorites in baseball. Uh, you can pick your spots. Uh, and I like to hook a team up in a money line parlay whenever, because you can take two decent sized favorites and still make it like an even money bet or, you know, plus a little bit uh, rather than risking the juice. Right. And, and I know every, the purist will tell me, you're still, the math is the math. Mm -hmm. It is the math. But the math I'm concerned with is if I do lose that wager, I lost one unit. I didn't lose 1.7 right. or 1.8, and we can sit and have that debate all day long. You know, one of one of my best buddies and he, he pro better here in Vegas. Me and Brian Leonard are we we argue over that one all the time. <laughs> the math, the math. I says yes, but I'm only losing one if I lose it, and it's all about protecting your bankroll. It's risk reward. Right, that is correct. All right, who do you like tonight? Well, uh, with that, I'll give you two that I did put in a money line parlay tonight. Tampa Bay is playing my Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates enjoyed a uh, nice series against the Cubs, who have been absolutely dismal this season so far. Uh, it gave up a ton of runs. Uh, the Cubs did to the Pirates, but the Pirates aren't going to be facing the Cubs pitchers tonight. Uh, I put Tampa Bay on one end of that. Uh, parlay. In the other end of the parlay, I went with the White Sox. Now, this actually, the parlay was bringing me back like a buck 19. So it's, I'm playing an underdog basically by hooking those two together. The White Sox lost last night to Baltimore, but it was the first game back after a road trip. You see that happen a lot. But when those teams do lose that first game of the road trip, they have a, a strong tendency to bounce back in game two. That's why I hooked those two up in the parlay. And then I just bad mouth the Cubs. I'm going against the Cubs tonight against St. Louis. St. Louis has played consistent baseball pretty much all year. This is a team that we thought was probably the second best team uh, in the division. Most people had Milwaukee on top uh, in the NL Central, but they're playing Milwaukee toe-to-toe -to -toe right now in the division, and they've gotten good starting pitching, and I think this is a matchup tonight that definitely favors uh, St. Louis. Kyle Hendricks he can be a good pitcher at times, but we haven't seen that this year. He has not had 
good stuff. Uh, might be backside of the career time for Hendricks. I'm going to fade him. You're getting St. Louis with uh, you know, a young pitcher. Uh, he has faced the Cubs once already this year, so he doesn't have the advantage that he had the first time around. But he's pitching well enough, and he's gotten stronger in each start going deeper into the game. So I like St. Louis here, and I went full game in this one because if you've been watching the Cubs, they have been getting absolutely lit up. Their bullpen is drained. This is one of those ones where they've been overworked. So I have no problem going the, the full uh, game wager because if it gets to the bullpens, I think our advantage increases with St. Louis. Kopech going for the White Sox uh, tonight. How about uh, if we're going to go with a parlay routine, Marco, with favorites, why not go with the White Sox to the Avalanche? You can do Makes that sense. one. Is, they definitely could do that one. Um, you've got the Giants uh, at home tonight, too, in a big brace. Cincinnati's mm-hmm. not playing well at all. Uh, so you got so you got some options there. And when we talked about the Avalanche, I forgot to give you a good stat. I mentioned the over in because it's an elimination game and pulling a goalie. Tampa, we know all the success they've had in the playoffs. When they're trailing a, in a playoff series, 28-12 and 12 to the over in their games when they're trailing. Great stat. So Great stat for the looking at, looking at the over tonight in that one is a play. One more baseball game to look at. Uh, the Phillies and the Padres. Uh, Aaron Nola has been fantastic. Uh, and then you've got Mackenzie Gore. Uh, going tonight for San Diego. You know that you know Machado's injured. Tatis already has been out. But when you look at what Aaron Nola's done, I mean, very quietly, this guy has not walked a batter, Marco, in his last five games. 35 strikeouts and, and no walks in his last five games. He has been phenomenal. You know, TC, I'm I'm an old school handicapper, and I you know I make the sabermetrics guys cringe and everything with mm. all their advanced metrics mm. that they like to you look at. You don't look at barrel rate. Yeah. Triple X ratings. When I look at a pitcher, the most fundamental thing, and I always, you know, I'm a horse guy, so I look at the pitchers as like I'm reading a racing form, looking at horses. They come in and out of form. The best indicator of a pitcher that has everything going for him is the strikeout-to-walk ratio. When you have high strikeout count, like you just said, and you're not walking anybody, low walks, you're in full command of your entire arsenal of pitches, and that's what you want. And right now, uh, there's nobody that's pitching better uh, than he is. And over the last three games, he's been, you know, you can't get any runs off him. He's given up two runs in his last three starts. Um, this is the Aaron Nola that we remember from several years ago when he was, you know, the dominating pitcher on that staff. But with that said, I want no part of the Philadelphia bullpen, right? Okay, so if I'm playing Philadelphia, they're on my first five list. Um, I'm going to go starting pitcher versus starting pitcher, and with the lineup uh, with the missing pieces for the Padres, I get Aaron Nola going through that lineup, you know, two times, you know, maybe three through five innings. Yeah, I'll go ahead and take Nola uh, in this pitching matchup first five. How often do you bet? series i don't because here's the thing i want to look on a game day-to-day basis and whenever you're doing that you don't know how the first game is going to play out with the bullpen and so forth you know if i like a team to win two out of three over the weekend series but 
they burn their key guys in the bullpen and end up blowing a game in extra innings the night before, then that changes the whole dynamic for the rest of the series of what I thought in my head. This was a game they were supposed to win. So I like to take things day by day. Uh, and generally speaking, you're going to, unless you really like a dog, the price is going to be too much on the favorites in the series because they they overprice it and then the straddle in there you're not getting a a good number like you get the 10 cents on uh, you know regular single bets right he is Marco D'Angelo. You can get him at wagertalk.com. Subscribe to his plays. He is red hot on fire. Just as hot in baseball as you were in football, my man. It's been a good it's been a two-year run for us. So uh, we're up like uh, going back to the start of last baseball season. I'm up 90 units for my clients and that's on a one to five scale we you know we're not like you know the old school guys screaming on the you know the, the, <laughs> call me uh, one nine hundred you know get my 100 star lock of the year no that's not the way we do things and i'm low volume like you yeah. uh, i like to play one to three plays a day never overexpose my bankroll and that's how you keep doing what you've been doing for 40 plus years for me there you go i'm high volume on the mic and low volume uh, a player so there, there you go you're you're high volume with the chicken wings absolutely correct <laughs> high volume you're getting me you know i haven't eaten all day you're torturing me you know what i'm saying started last night and i invited him to go to, to go eat with me you know afterwards and he's turning me down today the one day i have plans the one day <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. I do. I do. I do. Definitely do. Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. No better place to be, whether it's Blue Ribbon, STK, or any of the fantastic grab-and-go places up on the second floor. Go check that out uh, as well, too. Plenty of great food here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. And, of course, the atmosphere in the sportsbook, always hopping here, especially on a Friday night and all weekend long. Come visit our good friends here at William Hill inside the sportsbook at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. All right, Marco, I appreciate you being here today, as always. Summertime. That means baseball time, man. It's summertime. Uh, I'll be here for a few weeks. I'm, I'm staying in town, but uh, I'll be a little sparse in July. I, yeah, you, you and me both. I will be sparse in July. And I already got my, my Houston Astro trip already planned for about a week. So uh, looking forward to that here coming up. I, I love spending Can summertime at, at the park and also summertime at the track. Yeah. Can you take a message to Houston for me for yeah. the bullpen? Yeah. Let's <laughs> see, see if they can get it done tonight. All right, appreciate Marco D'Angelo for being here. Also, Brian Benowitz, our gracious host here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, the VP of Casino Operations. He's backed up for double knee replacement. He's doing his thing. And, of course, everyone here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Numbchuck back in the studio. Miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Check out all of the interviews, whether it's the classic ones in the past or the most recent ones. Go check it all out there at tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a great weekend. We're back at it on Monday at 2 p.m. Enjoy your weekend.